this episode 125 of Hebrews and Exile with our honorable teacher, Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. And in this podcast, we're going to talk about the Hebrew in exile as it's germane to the United States of America. Now, there's a certain challenge and stress that the EB here has to go through, and we're going to talk about that in detail. So, without any further ado, Hebrews in exile, you know what we do. Let's go! Of the harvest, you're of my life, you're of creation. You make everything. This is Rabbi Robert B. Homer Jr. and Sean Appleton, and this is Hebrews in Exile. We both put our heads down at the same time. Huh? Huh? <laughs> you know what? I think that as I've been thinking over these days and realizing what state this nation that we're living in in exile is in and listening to all of the various narrative Hebrews are at the top of the chain list in terms of subject matter. How so? Well, because the discussion, the national discussion in every venue that you listen to is about people of color. It's about black people. Every discussion. If it's education, it's about black people. Figuring out how to keep black people out of colleges or making it more difficult for them to get in college. Mm. If it's the health industry, it's all about the racism that goes on in hospitals where prenatal care for people of color is at its lowest ebb. Mm -hmm. If it's policing, it's about the police system that we have in America that is so racist that we cannot trust it in any context of the word as it results to black people. Mm. If it's about politics in general, it's all the narrative that we're hearing coming out of the state of Florida about black people, slavery didn't matter, how black people gained so much in slavery. If it's in real estate, it's about a 93-year-old grandmother who has land in Florida who... Hilton is trying to sue to take her land that's been in her family all of her life, which is just a regurgitation of what the Europeans have been doing to black people ever since day one. So if it's, if it's in the political arena, it's about a black judge and a black judge and some white people. I mean, you cannot escape a day in the news where the subject matter is not about black people. Now, the problem that I have here is that I realized that all black people are not Hebrews, but the majority of them in this nation are. And the issue is, is that right now, in the ear of the public ear on the news, in every venue of conversation, everything is about black people. The problem being is that black people don't know that they're Hebrews. This is true. This is very true. You know, as you're, as you're saying that, I have to offer you an apology. Um, last time we got on the podcast, and I don't know how these are going to come out in, in succession, 
but you made a comment last last time you queried me about you know what's the difference between sacramento county and the south and i had made a comment and i said it's just not you know the things that are happened to us are just not overt and you you frowned and you looked at me like i was a lunatic <laughs> because you're saying wait a minute it is overt it is and i was watching or listening to a um a documentary on the african-american and racism in the united states <laughs> oddly enough today uh while i was at work and everything that you just touched on is a, some kind of component within that narrative. Absolutely. And as they were explaining it, they were trying to say, as we come out of the antebellum South, which the antebellum South, if you're not familiar with that term, antebellum, antebellum is that period of time from the end of colonialism to the time of the Civil War, which is back up in 1861. That's the antebellum period um, that black people had uh, in the United States. We come out of that and we come in into this mechanization of the North. Now, what I mean by mechanization of the North is where we have machinery and things that are happening as far as industry is concerned. And then you have all this, the demographic of black people that are in the South. So the documentary goes on and explains that when you look at foundations like the Ford Foundation and the Carnegie Foundation and the Rockefellers, it talks about a lot of um, how... Black people in the United States, at, because of mechanization and the industry, we're a problem. We are literally, an, we, had, we were a, a labor force that earned a, an extensive amount of money. I think when you put together all of the 4 million African Americans, or at least, excuse me, I think what the documentary was saying was like 388,000 uh, Africans were a part of the South, and we come out of that 388,000, but out of that, it's like 12.8 million slaves were, were injected into South America and into the Caribbean, and only 300,000 of us made it to the North, that we've just con constantly been a problem for whites or Europeans here in the United States. They've been trying to figure out what to do with this. So they've compartmentalized this and marginalized this to the point where We've kind of got pigeonholed. And this is the reason why I'm apologizing to you. Because I'm on board with what you said based on this documentary. Because what I had to see was it's the same thing that's been happening from the antebellum south to now. What's been happening to us. The oppression, just because it doesn't happen as frequently as it did before in the past, doesn't mean that it's still not the same. They've been using the same tactics, been trying to control the situation. Um, but I'm going to say this to, to, to sum up everything that I just said. The one thing that I got out of watching, or excuse me, out of listening to that documentary was I was, I was in Diva Room 28 the whole entire time while looking at it. Yeah, because I'm looking at we're living in a present day prophecy coming to fruition. Everything that we're experiencing, everything that you just enumerated is a prophecy that's in Devarim 28. You will become the laughing stock. You will become the lowest form. And you will not be celebrated by any nation because of your disobedience. So all of these things that we experience here in the United States and throughout the world is because it has been foretold that we were going to do it. And it's because of one reason and one reason alone. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the, the horror that's associated around black people and non-black people is horrendous sure i mean i'm still i'm still reeling and rocking from the fact that two weeks ago this white policeman shot a pregnant mother right through the windshield of her car because he felt threatened that she was trying to run over him and the evidence shows that she was trying to turn away from him because he stood in front of the car and she was turning away from him not to hit him, 
so she could drive off. Now, I, I get it that they demanded her to get out the car. Get out the car. Get out the car. Well, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not getting out the car. With that kind of tone, excuse me, sir. Mm. Can you show some politeness? I'm sure you don't stop the normal average white woman in the car in that in that tone and that arrogance. Right. Right. You see, oh Sean. Our people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge and that they do not even want it. The biggest problem that you and I are, front of, are confronted with is trying to wake our people up so they can understand who they are. Now, I've said this before, and I don't know if I said it on the podcast or if I said it in one of the teachings on Shabbat. How can you worship a man who is Jewish in supposedly ethnicity, but is really Hebrew in ethnicity, mm -hmm. but you don't want to identify with, you don't want to identify with that, with that ethnicity. No, because it's associated with Europeans. It's associated with the Ashkenazis. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, a, I'm not them. Well, 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 yeah, but that's, 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 see, that, that's my problem. This, this is not, this is not 1932. This is not 1961. This is not, this is not 1970. This is 2023. Sure. The book of Danielle and the prophecy of Danielle has been opened in 1968 with the coming of the World Wide Web. Knowledge has increased, mm. and and so there's no there's no lack. 1985, huh? 1985. What did I say? 1968. Oh, 1985. Excuse me. I'm getting old. I'm messing up all my dates. <laughs> I did that twice. <laughs> That's okay. The point is is that information is available so that people don't have to be ignorant to a narrative that's not true. And they don't have to, they don't have to subscribe to a slave thought process. I mean, I don't know. I, it's, it's, hard, it's hard for me to wrap my my head around around this this gross self-imposed ignorance that our people have in terms of who they are and who they don't want to be. I mean, I blame it on I blame it on the shepherds. I blame it on the shepherds because the shepherds wanted they want to do they want to do the bojangle. They want to dance jig, and they don't want to focus on study for the evidence hmm. of seeking truth of the Most High, it seemed like they don't even really want to know the truth. Because, I mean, if you keep testifying and you keep hollering that the law's been done away with, and you keep blowing the, the for, for the sake of conversation, you keep blowing the Old Testament off until it's convenient for you to use it, then you're never ever going to come to the knowledge of the truth because that document has truth in it except for the fact that I was reading through it the other day. I pulled my King James off the shelf and I was reading through it and I can see why the understanding is fogged and vague because of the way it's the way the Europeans have trans, translated or transliterated it mm -hmm. and put verbiage in there that that sends you off off on the wrong path mm -hmm. and when I read the European version of text versus the Hebrew version of text it's like 
these are not the same documents, which they are not. Mm -hmm. And the language is so skewed and ambiguous in the Greek-inspired Bibles till it's no wonder that our people are, are in a mess. But the point being is, I mean, there have got to be more black churches than there are white. I mean, if we take if we take all the storefronts and all the step up from the storefronts and all the step up from them and all the step ups from them to what we have, we've got to have more people of color attending churches than there are our white counterparts because the demographics of the white counterparts according to the Pew Report, is that their, their, their growth demographic is, 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 is dwindling. So you're saying that proportionately, obviously we represent 15% of the country here in the United States. And so you're saying it's disproportionately screwed that the 85, I, I would think that the 85% of, of, of European descended descendants in this country should be proportionate to the amount of churches that are there as well. So even if you took all of us and put us in church, which all of us don't go to church, uh, obviously, namely us, um, I don't know if we outnumber their, their amount of churches. When you take Mormons and Protestants well, and you take yeah, all of them and put yeah, them together. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all yeah, forms of yeah. Christianity. Yeah. My, my, my point being is that I don't get it. Well, let me offer this. I don't get it. As an amendment to what you said. I, I, don't, I don't get how it is that smart men like, and I, I, I'll, pull, yeah. I'll pull Creflo Dollar out of the mix of the bunch of the TDJs because I'm not even going to talk about him because that's a whole different circus. Right. Circus is the correct word, too. <laughs> but I'll take a Creflo dollar out of that out of that mix, um, and I will say he knows the law. You can listen to him, and you can tell that he knows the law. And you have to ask yourself, why isn't he smart enough to decipher the the foundation of its existence and its importance to the people that he serves. See, you, you have to think that he's smart enough. Now, I have friends that are in that same vein. They're very smart, intelligent people, and they have gone to, I call it the cemetery, they call it the seminary, I mean a seminary, uh, <laughs> and they've got every every thing behind their name that can stand behind their name as a person as they refer to me as a man of the cloth mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know what that means anymore mm -hmm. I, I was i was at a i was at a i was at a um program with um um can't think of his name now. But somebody came up to me and said, oh, I thought, but, but, but you're a man of the cloth. I'm going, I'm thinking in my mind, I know what you're referring to, but I don't know, I don't know what that means. Mm. I, I don't know what that means, a man of the cloth. What's the cloth? Mm. What's the cloth got to do with anything? Right, right, right. And, and where's that terminology come from? Who who conjured up that 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 that, <clears throat> that terminology? So, so, so I, I guess I, I guess you know. Excuse us tonight if we're if we're going if we're going around in circles. It's just that the climate that we're living in, and what we know as Hebrew teachers of Scripture. And what's happening to our people are not adding up. 
It's not adding up. It just doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that you would continue <clears throat> somebody somebody should be seeking the most high. I'm not going to say use the term the face of the most high because I don't know what that is either. Mm -hmm. But somebody should be seeking the most high for information that helps them to realize the truth of scripture and the perplexity, the perplexed situation that our people are in as a result of scripture. Mm. That's, that confounds me. Mm. I mean, I mean, you keep saying that you're studying your, I got to go home and study. Well, I'm at, I'm trying to figure out what are you studying? Because whatever you're studying, the context of the message is the same. I don't care. I don't care. Just because you, you change the subject matter and just because you take a different text doesn't change the narrative. The narrative is the same narrative. Mm -hmm. The sure. same outcome is the same outcome. Sure, sure. It winds up being a springboard into something where you got the congregation all hyped up in an emotional frenzy and you're trying to figure out, well, what did you really talk about? Nothing. And then our people, our people want to want to continue to quote scripture or quote Bible. And most of the Bible that they're quoting comes out of our text. I don't know. I'm, I'm confused. Well, I think it, at, at, at this point, you know, I, you know how long I've been teaching scripture? Decades. You know how long I've been teaching scripture? I started teaching scripture when I was 19 years old. Hmm. 19 is when I started teaching. So at least six decades. I've been teaching scripture. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and I got to a point where I realized the difference between that which was set apart and that which was not set apart. I came, I got to that conclusion. Mm -hmm. I got to the conclusion that what I thought was scripture was not scripture at all. Mm -hmm. And I got challenged. I got challenged one time when somebody asked me about Shaul's writings. I said, Shaul's writings are not scripture. They're commentary. They're commentary. exactly right. They're commentary. Mm -hmm. That's right. It's a, he's, he's writing letters and epistles to individuals. He's sending emails out, and we're taking them like they're, it's the law. This is, this is one man's opinion on the interpretation of the law who has uh, supposedly been converted. But let me add this. I think probably where the, a lot of the angst is coming from is as you, you ascribe it to leaders. And... Uh, I guess well, it might. Know, I, and, and hold your point. Don't lose your point. I have to subscribe to leaders because leaders are the ones that are responsible for the sheep, and the sheep are only regurgitating what the leaders say. Yeah, that that's true. That's blind, very true. Blind leaders of the blind, they all fall in a ditch. That's right. But, I mean, there's also the dynamic that says that these leaders are telling people what they want to hear. What do you, how do you respond to that? Because I, I, really, I really honestly believe that these individuals understand what's there, but the moment that they start teaching, this is what's getting back to my point, which is we have to almost go all the way back to where we started in this conversation, which is back to slavery. You've been given a mentality. You've been given an ideology to follow. And that, that, that ideology has mushroomed into, and if I can be very succinct and very concise, into this egalitarianism that has to mimic the country. The country is set up in a certain way, and we as a people have adopted that. Anytime, let's take a look at this for a second. Anytime that we've shown any type of resistance as to forming our own way of life that has been thwarted by the powers that be. When we look at even here in Northern California, what's our closest thing that we have? The Black Panther movement. 
that was thwarted. The leaders were cut down. You talk about Malcolm X, you talk about Marcus Garvey, you talk about uh, uh, Martin Luther King. These are all individuals who had a voice that were trying to unify individuals against the system. And so it's a, the, the way that people, Christianity is the perfect religion for this country because of the way that it's set up. It's not, you can't have a United States and then have a theocracy inside of it. And that's what we're following. We're following a theocracy, period. So when you get over into Christianity, it's more of a democracy where you put all of the onus and all of the, of the responsibility and value in the people. The Most High never intended for uh, everybody to be under, you even said it. And that's where I'm, I'm getting the enlightenment from is how you unearthed it to say, hey, listen, you know, these nations are a drop in the bucket to the most high. Why in the, do you think we're all equal? This is not an egalitarian system over here. There is a specific group of people. There's a specific group of land. And these people, our people don't understand that. They want to be assimilated into this egalitarian way of thinking. So I get it. When individuals sit there and they get confronted with the fact that, hey, you know, um, yeah, I'm smart and yeah, I, I, I talked about it last time we spoke. We're like graffiti. We're literally truth that you fear. You don't want us to show up at your Christian function and educate you, even though you're cognizant and you can discern and you have you can disseminate what we're saying logically, it disrupts too much of the culture of the United States. Now, if think about it, if we were in the land, the culture of the land is what? The most high. Everywhere we go, in throughout the world, at least from what I see, the people are going to assimilate to the culture that is been predetermined or is determined so it doesn't strike me as odd that individuals over here are like let's just follow after christianity because anytime we bring something up that's opposed to it it's it's like oh it's against the american way not to be christian and so i have to denounce it because it's not the status quo so i guess for me me personally i'm gonna say this I'm going to get some serious rebuke. I know I am, but I'm courageous. These individuals deserve what they get. I know we got to have a heart for the people. And as we operate in the office, and I know some of y'all ain't going to like this. We operate in the office of prophets because exactly all we're doing is telling you what the most high said in teaching to get you to a point to get back in the right standing, but also at the same time, the prophets are also sympathetic and empathetic, but at the same time, they issue a rebuke to these folk. If you are have the cognitive ability to understand, that's not difficult for somebody to sit there and tell you that there's no hell. You can't prove that anywhere in that book. But you want to continue to interject it all over the place. Me and my wife were having this conversation the other day about the same thing that you're talking about. Why do you have to? There is no Jesus and there is no devil in the garden. But somehow them two always keep winding up all over the place. They just have to keep getting interjected. So what am I saying by saying that? If you want to continue to keep throwing stuff in there, then I don't, I'm going to step out the way and let the ground open up like it did for Korak. And I ain't going to have no... I'm not going to sit there and say, okay, well. <laughs> no, I, I'm not. I, 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 Why? No. No, no I'm you not. You had an have, opportunity. I'm not going to have any sympathy. So, you, you know. My, my, thing is, my thing is, at the end of the day, people have the choice to either be courageous enough to accept the truth and understand logically where you're coming from or continue to believe a lie? Pick one. You I know, put before you, know you life and death. You know what? <laughs> I would really like to hear from all of those of you who download our podcast and listen to it. I, I would like, I like to hear your thoughts on the subject matters that we share with you 
And obviously, they're entertaining to you or they're informative to you because of the number of downloads that I see that there are. I like to hear from I like to hear from you and hear what your thoughts are, particularly on subject matters like we're talking about today and our people. Um, you can you can respond on the podcast on Podbeam. You can respond there. You can respond by sending an email to FTF at F-I-R-S-T-T-I-T-A-B dot org. You can send me an email there. I would love to know what you're thinking about the subject matters such as this that Ambassador Appleton and I talk about each week. And the reason why I'm concerned is because it seems to me, Sean, that we're rowing in a boat all by ourselves with a few disciples, but we're, we're extremely in the minority mm. in terms of this truth of Scripture that we share and talk about each week in the climate that this United States is in and not only this United States but all around the world in terms of people of color. You know, I tried very hard. I've tried very hard on these podcasts not to speak about black and white and keep it within the construct of the Most High where he only talks about nations, but it's impossible to do. Absolutely. It's impossible. Absolutely. To, it's impossible to do when Every day in the, on the news and every news that you write, Hebrew Israelites. See, if you don't know, but the, the neon sign to me, it's a neon sign that says Hebrew, Hebrews, Hebrews, Hebrews. I see Hebrews. I don't see black. I see Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Yes. The conversation, I see Hebrews. I don't see black. While it's the people of color, I see Hebrews. I see the attack on the nation of Hebrew Israel in exile. And the problem that disturbs me is my people don't see it that way. They see it an attack on black folks, and they and they and they and they regurgitate mm. the same information, the same thing over and over again. Uh, why? Why is, why is a southern state trying to minimize the ability of black people to vote? The black subversion of voting in this country. That's, that's, that's a common discussion. Now, there's a lot of black people that don't vote. So I would say to the politicians, don't worry about it. Uh-oh. Well... They, they, put put they, it put it out they, put they it out there. They don't vote anyway. So why are you trying to suppress them? Put it out there. Just say what the real is. I'm gonna say what the real is. I may be wrong and naive and young in saying this. It's because this is not your country. You didn't build this country. You didn't establish it. This well, is no. how they think. Oh, it's like oh okay. That's how, that's how the Europeans think. Exactly. So well, what in the world are we doing? Come on, that's BS. But it's it's that true. That government, they wouldn't have a country if it wasn't on the backs of on the backs of the of of, of slavery of the, of the blacks and the Chinese. They but, wouldn't have a freaking country. That's right. And they'll come back and tell you in the same heartbeat and say, well, it was our ingenuity to put to put it together." Just because you were property at the time, don't oh, mean gosh. that. Uh, uh, that when this was established, when it says uh, this land was created for all, all men are created equal, you weren't included in that statement. This goes back to that system. That's why we're saying in the, in the in the South and these ideas that are being. That's why I said I apologize to you because this thing has its roots. You don't have the United States without racism. It's impossible. This country doesn't work without it. It's like apple pie and baseball. You have to have it. 
at some level in some form. And it's just going to be, again, I wish people would look at this documentary that I saw on Al Jazeera or uh, I heard on Al Jazeera today because it really showcases that nothing has changed. No, and, nothing. And, no, and, yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, we are we are a naive people if we think something has changed. Exactly. You know, I'm going to tell you something. I'm looking at some stuff about racism in 1961. All right? Okay. I'm living in Sacramento, California. I'm not denied drinking water at the fountain with 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 with, with white people in 1961. Mm. In 1961, I'm going I'm going to to school with white people and I'm shaking hands with white people and I'm drinking water at the same fountain as white people and I'm going to the same bathroom as white people but in certain parts of the America in 1961 that wasn't possible that's correct absolutely correct and you, we can probably pinpoint where that was I mean in it the wasn't United possible. States right that's right so that's the reason why I said I said I said before uh the aspect of racism in in the in the in the extreme west where we live as opposed to the the midwest and the south are diabolically different absolutely so our people here don't understand the narrative or the nature of the oppression and the difference, other than what they hear and what they see, and every now and then a white cops does so, a white policeman does something to a black person that's completely gross, grotesque, and out of the out of the normal. We're uh, we're shocked by it, but that's an everyday occurrence in the in 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 the uh, in the South. In the South, yeah. I mean, I, I'm from the Midwest and those particular states that are over there. So obviously, I didn't grow up in that particular era, but even you know, I was told about all those things, and even even we experienced it as growing up as as little kids. Um, the things that are germane to, you know, you have a you develop this this complex about yourself because of it's not as diverse and a melting pot as it is here in California and in the West Coast states. I mean, it's very cut and dry. It's either you're melanated or you're not back east, and Something you get treated as such, but again, I, what are we talking about? We're talking about prophecy. This has all been put into place, and the Most High is just sitting back with his legs crossed, just like we are, with his hands folded, and say, "I'll wait." Well, yeah, I mean, if we go, if we go to, um, if we go to, um, matter of fact, let's back up here to Isaiah. Right. For a minute. You want to pull Let's it up go, here? Um, Isaiah. You want? On Isaiah 42. There he is. Got a lot to say. Look at all these chapters. 42 and... Um, let's go to 10. Right. Let's go to... No, let's... Let's go to... Let's go to, yeah, let's go to, no, let's go to 14. Yep. Now, in order for me to talk about Isaiah 42, I have to preface it in your hearing to allow you to know that from chapter 40 to chapter 66 are defined as the Messianic writings of Yeshayahu of Isaiah. The Messianic writings are not about Jesus Christ. They are about an era of time that has not come into existence yet. It's called the Messianic Era. The Messianic Era happens to be the seventh day that the Most High has, the, the seventh millennium of time that the Most High has, that he's spoken about in prophecy where he is going to bring Hebrew Israel out from all the places that he has dispersed them and bring them back to the land. 
during the messianic era there will be a anointed one the word the word messiah only means anointed one there will be an anointed one that will be uh, proclaimed during that time and that anointed one is going to be King David he says in the book of Chronicles and in the book of Kings David will be my Moshiach forever the word Moshiach means anointed Messiah means anointed in other words King David will be my anointed king forever he will reign during the messianic era he's the only king that's going to reign during the messianic era so that's what isaiah chapter beginning in chapter 40 through 66 talk about so when we get to chapter 42 42 begins to talk us begins to express to us uh words that talk about my servant here is my servant whom i support my chosen one in whom I take pleasure. I have put my spirit in him, and he will bring justice to the nations. That that servant happens to be uh, Israel. Hebrew Israel's purpose is stated in verses number six and seven of this text that says, I, Yahweh, called you righteously. I took hold of you by my hand. I shaped you made you a covenant for the people to be a light to the going that's the nations so that you can open blinded eyes free prisoners from confinement those living in darkness from dungeons those living in exile when it says living in darkness it's talking about those living in exile now we get down to verse i said 10 but really what i want to go to is uh what am i in here 42 I said verse, verse 10, I want to go to verse number 16. No, no, verse 14. In verse number 14 of this particular chapter, the Most High says these words now. Remember, as we talked about all the things that we have previously talked about in this podcast today, we said that, the majority of our whole conversation is a retort of Devarim chapter number 28 verses 15 through 69. It's a retort of that. But the most I talks about in Isaiah 40 to 66 a day in which he is going to redeem Hebrew Israel out of the nations and bring them back to land but in this conversation in chapter 42 he says for a long time in verse 14 for a long time i have held my peace i have been silent i've restrained myself period you and i happen to be living in the prophetic words of this particular writing and the long time is continuing now because we're nowhere near being redeemed out of this exile. We're not close to it, but this, these are the prophecies that talk to talk about it. While it is that the Christian church is always talking about Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, well, I'm, I'm an octogenarian. I was born in the Christian church, and from the time that I can understand and hear, I heard Jesus was coming and he hadn't come yet. Nope. Still waiting. And I want to tell you, he's not going to come in the next seven, seven hundred, eight, seven to eight hundred years. He, he won't be here. He's nope. not coming. Nope. Won't happen. All the signs that your teachers and, and preachers and bishops have said, these are the signs of his coming. Those signs are irrelevant to what the Most High says. The Most High says, I've held my peace. <clears throat> I've been silent. But now when he gets ready here and starts talking about the redemption of Israel, he says, now I will shriek like a woman in labor, panting and grasping for air. I will devastate mountains and hills, wither all their vegetation, turn their rivers into islands and dry up their lakes. The blind... The blind are the people that we're talking about now. Hebrew Israel, black people, 
that are blind. He says, I will lead on a road they don't know. On roads they don't know, I will lead them. Period. It's a semi-comma, but that's a period. Mm -hmm. It's the same verbiage that he used when he brought Israel out of Mitzrayim. I'm going to lead you by a, by a road that you don't know, a different mm -hmm. way. So now in this particular text, he talks about the blind. Listen, if we as a black people do not recognize who we are and recognize the prophetic and historical overtones that are being applied to us, then we are blind. We're blind. Mm. We're blind. I mean, it's... Blind it's leaders idea. of the blind, the text says, we all they fall all in fall in a ditch. In the ditch. He says, I once was silent. I, I held my peace. So you wonder... Why the Most High isn't doing anything during this time frame that we're living in? Mm -hmm. It's because he can't. You say, wait, 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 he can't? No, he can't. Well, the Most High can do anything he wants. Yes, but everything the Most High does is based on a condition. Mm -hmm. the, most, the Most High, for if we go back to the book of Judges, the book of Judges is a document that's a rehearsal of our exile the difference being is that israel functioned in idolatry with the most high that caused them to fall under the under the hands of devastating nations like the philistines mm. and the various ites that were the subject matter that come up out of the sons of ham mm -hmm. and the difference being that when you read the judges, it says that Israel, the Most High said judges, and various judges acted in the land of Israel for periods of time in which that Israel did that which is right. And then it comes back and says, and for this many years, Israel did that which was wicked in the right. eyes of the Most High. Well, we've only been in this exile a little over 400 years. There's text in Judges, where Israel was under the influence of nations that they, because of their wickedness, for 600 plus years. Mm. And they did that which was wicked in the most eyes of the Most High. And it wasn't until that they had had enough of being abused, being, being, there is one text I remember us reading about where they were so abused they couldn't even come out of their houses to go to go anywhere. See, you do you understand where you're at right now? Yeah, I know where I'm at. I'm gonna tell you what because I'm hearing something else coming out of you right now. Because what? literally, there's an analogy that's getting ready to get made here. Because do you see what you quoted? Shoftim. Shoftim has a pattern. Yes. And that pattern is, is that I also want to, before I get into my point, I also want to say that, because you hit on it earlier, the most high cannot, he's not, obviously he's not a man, he can't change his mind. He just can't do any, just, okay, why don't we just change it and just fix it? That, no, the most high is bound to his word. So what you just unearthed there is this issue of, in Shoftim, how did Israel get saved it was in their own hands to do it themselves they didn't have some guy that just came out of the sky from some immaculate conception and saved them the only way that they got back in right standing with the most high is they had to save themselves from the things the atrocities that were happening to them and that's by turning back to 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 the text to to torah so there's that's what I'm saying. I mean, I mean, you're, ex you're explaining it like... Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. We can't... I mean, the Most High says, I've been silent up to now. Well, up to now in text is talking about a period of time in which that he is going to redeem Israel out of this exile that we're in. Sure. Okay? We're sure. not there yet. Right. And we're not going to be there for probably another seven to eight hundred years. Yeah, that's... Before... before what we're reading here in Isaiah 
becomes a reality. Mm. So that means that we have another seven to eight hundred. She said, why am I saying seven to eight hundred years? Well, I'm going to tell you why. I personally believe that there was, there was a, the, I, I personally believe that the calendar changed in 1985 with the opening of the book of Daniel. Mm-hmm. Because with the opening of the book of Daniel, the book of Daniel talks about the end of the end of days, the end of time. When when this time comes, let's go to it for a minute. It's in Daniel twelve. Yeah. Talking about the books. No. When they're gonna be open? Yeah. Not oh no, knowledge will knowledge will increase. increase. Yeah. It's in Daniel chapter twelve. Twelve, okay. Oh, let me get up here. But you, Daniel. Daniel 12, we've talked about it before. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Keep these words secret and seal up the book until the time of the end. Many will rush here and there as knowledge increases. That happened in 1985 with the population of the World Wide Web. Mm -hmm. So with the population of the World Wide Web, it began, it began the time of the end. Mm. So if it began the time of the end with the book of Daniel, that means in 1985, the clock turned back. We got a new 1,000 years in, 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 in progress. Mm -hmm. If I do the math from 1985 to, to 2024, I don't know, I think it's somewhere around 34 years, something like that. Yeah, something like that, yeah. We're about 30, if we're 34 years into a thousand years, subtract 30, 34 years from a thousand, and we're somewhere around 700 and some odd years before the end of this thousand year reign ends. Mm. Okay. Within this period, within the period of time that you and I are living in right now, okay, this thousand year period that we're living in right now is when the end of days is going to end. Mm. We're in the end of days, but the end of the end of days is not going to be for another 700 plus years mm -hmm. because we're into a thousand year reign or a thousand year period. Mm -hmm. So if we're into this thousand year period, I don't care what your leaders say, what Jesus said the end is going to look like. The most high defines the end. Jesus can't define the end. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, you know, I hate, I hate to keep talking about him, but he's the elephant in the room. He, can't, he cannot define the father's end. And don't tell me that he said, well, I am my father and one. I'm going to tell you again, you're, they're not the same substance. Yeah. If, if he's a human being and he bleeds blood, the most high created his behind. That's right. He did. I'm going to tell you, can I can I can I jump off topic for just a quick second? <laughs> off topic for a quick second. Go. Um, 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 he after we did our dissertation on hell, I've totally written that dude completely off, completely off. And this is the reason why. This is my burden of proof. <laughs> we said that hell doesn't exist because Most High didn't make it. You can't find it nowhere where He made it. This is a truth. I don't, you can go look it up for yourself. You may be in disbelief, but the only place the hell shows up is in the New Testament. Now, if the Most High didn't make, he made everything in the first six days and hell wasn't made, then when this Christ character died and he decided to go down to hell and get the keys and release these folks, hell doesn't exist. So how in the world did you go? That is an outright lie in the New Testament. So if you're just fabricating stuff about where this guy is going and he's releasing souls and going to, to, the, to he might as well go to Disneyland and release some Mickey Mouse and Pluto from wherever they at. I'm just simply saying at the end of the day, there's a outright contradiction that's over there. So you can believe whatever you want to believe about, about this dude, but there's some glaring contradictions that are about him that you got to face. And that is what and, I'm... And, and here's the problem with what you're saying, Sean. Mm -hmm. Here's the problem with what you're saying. And I want you all to hear me really good here, okay? 
Many of the pastors and leaders of people know this. Oh, yeah. They know this. They know this. But they're afraid to say it. They're afraid of the people. You know, one of the Church of God in Christ pastors, he was big, 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 big. He was going along. He was sailing along on Moonlight Bay. <laughs> Everything was sweet until he brought up the subject of there not being a hell. And he brought up the subject of not being a hell and the ministry. It's called high, high, Higher Dimension. The ministry of Higher Dimension took a dive. Oh, yeah. As quick and as fast as you can say dive. Oh, yeah. I believe it. It took a dive. You're removing the cornerstone. And so consequently, while pastors and preachers know this, they're not going to say it for fear that they will succumb to the same uh, scrutiny uh, of uh, being uh, uh, monasticized or being whatever it is that happens to people that speak the truth. Yeah, yeah. They'll get blackballed. His, yeah. his name just came. His name was Carlton Pearson. Carlton Carlton took a beating because he came out with that particular message of there not being a hell. Now what? And 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 his ministry took a took a loss. Oh, it was his higher dimension was large. It was one of the largest Kojic Kojic. Um, things going in the United States. But when he came out with that, his ministry took a gross, a, a terrible hit. It just took, it, it's like, it's like, it's like the Marines diving into the ocean. Whew, took a dive. Just down. subterranean. Yeah, yeah, it was terrible. I mean, you know, and, and he's, I know that he suffered from that uh, even uh, to this day. And I, I would say that I would say that the problem with what he said was just out of timing. Mm. He was ahead of his time. Sure. Sure. Plus, in I don't know if he was setting his, his parishioners up for that teaching. I mean, we're in a position where we can say that because we've basically torn down every sacred cow there is in the pasture. So right. that one is just another one that was just there, just standing alone in the corner that we hadn't got to yet. But I mean, the truth, like you said, this is funny. Can I tell you this? There's a billboard. Me and my wife and my kids saw this. Your buddy up the hill has a billboard out that says, it's got his face on it, and I'm giving you a shout-out, Destiny's Church, that says, truth matters. Oh. I now, forget where we saw it, but there is a billboard that Destiny Church put out now, that says, truth matters. Now, <laughs> I was tickled when I saw it. I said, I should have took a picture of it, but we was going past it, you know, and I looked up. I said, oh, my goodness, do you see that? I... I'm sorry that I didn't have that. I didn't have that slogan. Uh, uh, copyrighted a coin, yeah, yeah. But it's a big billboard up there. You know what I'm saying? As I close, I I think I'm through with this. Okay. I mean, where's we bouncing all around here? You know, class viewers, listen. There is a way that seemeth right unto men; the end thereof is destruction. Ambassador Appleton and I sit before these mics every week trying to reach our people and try to explain to them the devastation that they're confronted with and surrounded by and explain to them the way out, which is very simple. But because our people have been Hellenized, they've been Greeked, and they're still enslaved by a European document that's not theirs, for some reason, at this particular point in time, we're not reaching them. I'm praying and I'm fasting that somehow what we say over these mics and what we're presenting in our, not only our podcast, but also on our live stream, Yahweh's Exile Empire, hoping that it will reach the ears of our people where they'll understand and not become um, upset because 
Jesus gets crucified by us every week. But it's hard to keep him out of the narrative because he keeps popping up. And, you know, I I I I I I don't know what to say. But I'm gonna go off I'm gonna go off the air tonight with this, with these words. I have been saying truth matters for years. For as long as I can remember. And I'm going to say these words to Destiny Church. <laughs> now I know who you're listening to. Now I know who you're listening to. You didn't come up with Yahweh and the 68,000 times in European Bibles where that name has been replaced by Lord and God, you don't come up with that by yourself. You've been listening to Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr. <laughs> That's who you've been listening to. And one Sunday, I'm going to get the courage. Not that I need courage. I don't need courage. I just need the fortitude to be able to stomach yeah what I have to come and hear but I'm going to appear in your congregation one of these Sundays because now I know who you're listening to you're listening to Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean, Sean Appleton. Appleton and this has been Hebrews, Hebrews in, in Exile, exile. Shalom, Shalom.